0: Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing. Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Keith Steigert, Uber reader and romance junkie. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little
1: too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. I'm so excited. I just don't even know what to say. I'm like, oh all-
2: a flutter a flutter she's she's just excited
3: no I've been I've been doing I've been like all day Um, it's been hard to concentrate because like this is the most exciting um, like book thing that's ever (laughs) happened so really
2: um, it's pretty cool (laughs)
3: Yeah. Well, now I, mean, I feel a little sorry for you, but... <laughs> I mean, like, it's indie stuff, right? Like, you kind of don't get these big publisher wins, right? So you get, like, these little things like this that are awesome and so cool when they happen. So thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited.
2: It's my pleasure. You're welcome. <laughs> it's um, good to meet you. Even I'm, though I had nothing to do with it, you're welcome.
1: I suppose we should introduce ourselves. I'm Martha. This is Vani. Vani. And Hello. that's Keith. Hello. Hello, everybody. T- I'm Mike. Today, we will be your three book girls. Oh, my.
3: Yes. Oh, exciting. I can't wait.
2: Yeah. Everybody's got that on their bucket list, don't they? Yeah. Just what you needed. Three book girls. We're non-returnable, so don't even try to. Non-refundable. Yeah. Non-returnable, non-refundable.
1: So right before we got on today, I look over at the door to the studio here, and Vonnie's not normally the kind of person who does a lot of super limber things. She's she's not into modern dance or anything like that, so I look, she's over, not a and she's, instructor. I look over and she's karate kicking. First <laughs> she goes one way and then she goes
2: the other, and I was like, what are you doing, girl? My pants were sagging, <laughs> and it's kind of like, uh, and so Mike, she, I know you don't have this problem, but it's kind of like when you wear pantyhose and they start kind of creeping crotch, down.
1: The crotch right. goes down further and further
2: because... This is short people problems. My pants don't go up far enough. <laughs> And so, right. like, I'm, you kick your legs out to try to get your pants to go up so that you're not, like, I don't know, hold, just... holding your crotch and trying to yank things up that way. I feel that. that would be worse. I yeah. like that you get there by karate, like kicking. Yeah, things, see, I'd never though. seen her that's do that great. before. And that's
1: why all of a sudden I was like, I
2: used to take a kickboxing class, <laughs> express yourself with a little. Kickboxing is actually really fun. I quite enjoyed kicking that dummy.
1: Well, you know, kicking, Mike, which is the better way to kick a Wyatt in the dick or in the neck
3: no like it's a hundred percent the dick um like all all a hundred percent of the time and it's funny actually in the second book I wrote an entire sequence specific to that point about (laughs) Wyatt dick punching Um, I don't know if it's going to make the final cut actually but uh, there's a whole scene where Vane for like two solid pages thinks and muses on uh, the efficacy of Wyatt dick punching Because that is really like, that is where you want to
1: hit them. Those of you who don't know what a Wyatt is, this will be explained (laughs) later in the podcast when we get into... um... Is it
2: a teaser? Yes. Because I don't know what a Wyatt is. I I feel sort
0: of bad for everyone named Wyatt now, because now I just think every Wyatt is like a complete
1: asshole. I don't know any Wyatt. So it it works (laughs) out really great for me personally, because now I have that picture in my head forever of what a Wyatt looks like. And when I really meet one, I'm going to be super disappointed.
2: Well, now I'm kind of curious what a Wyatt dick looks like. You know, I never thought about that.
1: You probably don't want to talk about that, Mike, because I bet you what a Wyatt dick looks like.
3: Another funny aside on that, though, there was like, oh, again, I don't know if any of these are going to make it through the final cut because I tend to overwrite and then cut back. But there was, in fact, a whole sequence about, well, okay, so not to get like. Not to get, like, super deep into it, but, like, there was a whole scene where Emma walked in on two Wyatts making out <gasps> and was like, stop masturbating in front of me. Because, like, technically, if two Wyatts are together, they are kind of just Oh, my gosh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so there's this whole sequence of that and uh, about, like, what the Wyatts do with one another because they're bored, right? They're just sitting there. and They got nothing to do. But, uh, again, not super clear that's going to make... <laughs> I
1: kind of want to read right. the book
2: just you for the to... Wyatt masturbating now. He's talking about the second one, which is about ready to be I'm released.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm just going to voice this because I think that this is going to be a movie in the future. I don't know if it's been optioned yet, but if it hasn't, then somebody's fucked up because. <laughs>
3: um Yeah, nobody has reached out to me for auctioning yet. Um Hopefully that would happen in the future. That would be great. I would love to see this on screen. I think there's like yeah no there's it's funny because like sometimes when i write i do the movie version of the scene right and like try and think like what would this look like filmed and stuff like that
1: i've already seen it i've already seen it in my head i already know it's gonna be freaking fantastic i suppose i should introduce you that would be like not rude huh Uh,
3: yeah i'm the Wyatt dick guy that's so like you can (laughs) follow me on twitter at wyatt dick and (laughs)
2: You know somebody's going to be uh, looking that and up. And get
3: super confused about like how so little of my content is actually about that. <laughs> uh,
1: we're, we're talking man. with Michael James, the author of The Hotel at the End of Time, which I will be reviewing today. And as is our practice, Mike will then be reviewing a favorite book of his as well. After we get done talking about the important things, like dick punches and you know where is your home base mike
3: i'm here in canada actually so i'm a canadian just outside of toronto we are in still lockdown my province has not been dealing with covid very well so we're uh I don't know. It's funny. Like my wife gets so frustrated with me because I'm like, we should go to the store and get this. She's like, what part of lockdown are you not getting? Like what part of this? And My point is like, I so rarely leave the house now that like, I can't even tell the difference between lockdown and non-lockdown anymore. But yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm north of you guys up in, uh, up in Canada.
1: Well, we already have an emotional support Canadian. Her name is Sarah. So now we're giving her emotional support. During the first part of the pandemic, she was vital to our mental health. Because we have a Friday night call where we get on Zoom and, you know, just basically connect with people from all over the world. And she was very helpful to us in the beginning. And actually, politically, I'll say that. To keep us <laughs> from, like... Hurting ourselves. Yes. It was really a, a bad in year here in, the, here in the U.S. It was a bad four years, actually. But uh, last year was particularly fraught. Our, and she live where does she live? Outside of Alberta? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think, yeah.
3: I'm maybe like a third between Toronto and Niagara Falls. Um, so yeah, like Niagara Falls is like, I don't know, two hours from Toronto. So I'm kind of like in the middle of those two.
2: Oh, gotcha, okay, all right. So, I know that one time yeah. I got lost in Toronto when I lived in New Did York, you, yeah. I, I have never been, I've always yeah, wanted to go. You too. Yeah, <laughs> got lost in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
3: I, I still get lost here in like this place I live in now. I'm not great with directions. So, I mean, yeah, I, uh, I get lost all the time. It's just pretty standard. You'd think, like, having the phone and GPS would help, but it doesn't really. No. No, I'm just 100% lost, yeah. <laughs> I, well, this was
2: before I GPS. use my
0: GPS. I use mine so often, and, I mean, I don't have the same one now, but when I first moved here, and I've lived here 15 years, and I still get lost, but when I first yeah. moved here, I named her, and her name was Lori, And I would complain all the time and people for the longest time thought I was just bitching about like a sister or like a friend and I would be constantly like I'd be like I'm so sorry I'm late. Lori gave me the shittiest directions to your place and it took forever before people realized I was talking about like a thing and not a person.
3: Mine is named Sarah, um, and I do yell at her quite frequently. I mean, the great thing is now, like, even my friends are so used to this now. When they send me, like, we're going to go meet for lunch or something, they'll just send me the coordinates because they know, <laughs> left to my own devices. I thought we were meeting at Harvey's, and I'm like, yeah, I'm at the Harvey's in Acton. And they're like, why would you go to Acton when we don't even live there and it's 25 minutes away? Like, why wouldn't we just go to the one? I'm like, I don't know, because eight months ago, you said the word Acton, and it just formed an association, and now I'm lost. So.
2: Anyways, yeah. That sounds sounds like me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm perpetually lost. I was actually late for, I'm a radio announcer. That's my real job. Doing two car dealerships that day, opposite ends of town. So I was going from one to the other, but it was in an area of town I didn't know very well. And I'd never had to go between those two before. So I Googled it. It ended up taking me, I'm on this dirt road in the middle of fucking nowhere. I'm like, sorry I was so wait though like
3: what's what's the announcement at a car dealership like do you just show up and then just list off all the cars as people walk into the store like (laughs) you here comes (laughs) Dave coming into the store to buy a car like what's the what's or was it just like an ad
1: no it's like an ad it's like they hire you constantly is like come here Come to the dealership. Come to the dealership. Buy a car.
3: Is monster trucks like the top tier of like announcing (laughs) gigs only because you get to repeat the words over and over and over again? It just feels like if I was doing an announcement, I'd be like going for that brass ring of monster truck and I would love every second of it. I don't know. I guess just.
0: I think monster truck is hard to get into. I think those really are like the top tier. I think you have to have, have
1: you have to have a very special kind of voice for a monster truck announcing, right. you've got to have a really super deep voice. You know, the right. gravelly yes. and it right. yes. voice. it has to be gravelly. Yeah, yeah.
3: And then yeah. you've got to be super into something that's objectively kind of not that exciting, which is just giant trucks flying through the air. So you've got to be like, "Here comes Stompmaster, master, master. Digger."
1: Yeah, yeah, It helps a, a deep I was smell trying for to, yeah, pivot years. away
3: from like <laughs> Bigfoot because I know that's the obvious punchline, but yeah, maybe someday, yeah, you'll, I'll get my Netflix option, and you'll get Monster Trucks.
1: <laughs> no, I think I would rather <laughs> be skinned alive and dipped in salt. Then, then do monster uh, announce a monster truck show? That's a
2: little harsh. I kind of like monster. I trucks. do not like monster. I'm trucks. Say
1: no. They just destroy things. No, not it's my not. thing. Totally not my thing. I would be. Oh, I don't know. What would be the ultimate gig for me in announcing it? For think? you? Yeah. They're like auctions. No, auctions oh. suck too because auction you have to have like, it's she like speaking. Quick enough. It's like speaking in tongues. Uh-huh. You know, you have to have that. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: No. But it's nonsense. It's like it's she like,
1: hasn't found the brass
0: ring yet. She no. she's still
2: looking for. it. No. Him. Yours would have to be like a book sale, a book. A store. book sale. Holy shit! I mean, Jeff. Gosh, think how awesome the book sale was. Oh like, no! Like the
0: that big Frank huge. One. Oh
1: god, yes. Huh. Oh, <sighs> a book auction. Oh yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That'd be That's nice. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take this any day, even though if we don't get paid for it. <laughs> Uh, maybe someday uh, maybe someday i
3: I can relate to that concept as a writer for sure (laughs) the content of
1: well that
3: was four thousand hours of work um good thing i made 86 cents or whatever like obviously (laughs) the largest problem with being a writer is figuring out how to distribute the collected masses of wealth that you accumulate inherently by being a writer it's difficult like am i investing my buying real estate it's it's a lot it's a if lot it's to deal with
2: 86 cents it's a candy bar <laughs> right no you know right. you can't get a candy bar for 86 cents
1: dude
3: which is why you have oh. to invest You no it's a half eaten candy bar right you like can get oh. the, mini, okay. the mini
2: okay. can, the mini the saying, cheap the cheap candy bars Yeah.
3: I'll give you 86 cents for the remainder of yeah. your...
2: A Laffy Taffy. You can get a Laffy Taffy. Yeah. A Laffy Taffy. <laughs> like
0: the gross banana ones <laughs> you can get for 86 cents.
2: That's all that's left is the gross banana Laffy taffies.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. It is hard. It, uh, being a writer is... It's, it's a bit like radio where you think it's a really super glamorous job. And then when you meet somebody who's actually in the business, you realize they make $11 an hour. And uh, yeah, yeah. so, you know, you devote your whole life to this one thing that pays less than it pays to work at Wendy's.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would kill for Wendy's money. I'm not going to lie. It's funny, too, because like my real job that I get money from is like in deep business stuff and corporate speak, which is tough because... You have to like turn off the part of your brain that kind of talks like a corporate weirdo in order to write, because you end up writing sentences. Like we're going to synergize our value through targeted work stream progression. And it's like words that no human would ever want to read <laughs> or consume. And then you get home and you're like, oh yeah, I have to write gooder. Um,
1: I have to write write gooder.
3: Yeah, I got to good up my writing if people are going to enjoy the book. So, yeah, it's...
1: Well, I think you have a bright future. You got to keep slogging on, man, because what you have is... Because Martha and I want to read the next one. Yeah, we don't don't really give a any other reason. It's because Martha (laughs) and Keith want to read the next one. I've already got your merchandise planned out, man.
3: Yeah, no, I'm in this to finish all three of them for sure. I'm like a year from being done and then uh, on to the next...
1: Well, at least you know that you have diehard fans out here waiting. The highlight of my life is when I find a book that makes me laugh and is well-written. Man, I love tough, strong women. It's rare to read a character like that that, I hate to say this, but a guy wrote.
3: George Martin, I think, put it perfectly, and this always stuck with me, where I think somebody asked him, like, how do you write women so well? He's like, "I, I think of them as people, not as women. And that's what I was trying to do with Vane. Like her being a female is not core to her character. Her being vain is core to her character.
0: You, you should so. probably review the book so that everybody knows what you're talking.
2: About. <gasps> I'm just fangirling. Right. Fuck off.
3: <laughs> I think the fangirling so is wild. I don't.
2: Want and my... I'm just kind of lost because I didn't read the book. Sorry, so. my husband's making. I know. I'm, I'm like, like Bonnie needs to join please. us and know how fabulous All right, it hold is. Hold on. Well, you know, I missed last week and it always seems like whenever I miss a week, which it doesn't happen very often, that I'm just I'm disconnected. It's like I don't know anything that's going on. There's people on the show that I don't know. There's books that you're talking about that I have no clue about. We were talking about you last night on the call were you yeah. about me reading sad books yes did you listen last week body like yeah, i came I in listened. and i
0: was like my book is super sad depressing. i know i you
2: guys were like she, you are hurting her feelings mocking man. my war books <laughs> talking about the covers and then mocking me about my sad books <laughs> listen i just I want to something like that here. makes me feel
1: yeah if you're not eviscerating somebody's whole being it's vonny didn't want to read it
2: I read stuff other than that.
1: <laughs> we call it trauma porn now. Yes, it's trauma, trauma porn. porn. Nice.
2: That's it. Bonnie, the queen girl. of trauma
0: porn. Some of the girls recommended some good sounding books, but every time they recommend something, I have to ask, is somebody going to throw a baby into the river? Like because <laughs> now that's the bar that you have set for me because I'm
2: like um, Ken fucking Follett has destroyed my life. But you will always remember that book and you will always remember his name. That's the point. Yep.
0: Sure will. Whatever.
2: That's why I like those Yeet books. baby. What are you ewing? What'd you do to your coffee? Do you have bug in it?
1: I normally don't use creamer. I just drink coffee in the morning, but I wanted a fancy coffee and I didn't have any milk to steam. So you The steamed- only thing I had was whipped cream. Nice. So I thought, oh, whipped cream could be creamer. But now no. there's like this film on top of my
2: coffee. Well, that's See. because you got to drink it See faster you when you use whipped cream. I'm let me tell you, horse. let me tell you the no. ins and outs of using whipped cream for things. Uh, <laughs> uh, it we're melts. not at that part of the podcast yet. <laughs> <laughs> whipped cream melts, so you have to eat it fast. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> Sorry, Mike.
3: No, was, I have a feeling I'm going so to have cool. to say
2: that a lot. How <laughs> are we going to end now? <laughs> yeah. We'll come back to that. This is the part
3: where you guys I do have, like, the I have segue more... into the book reviews and always try and find the perfect segue. Where, like, you, we suck
0: at that really so we Yeah, suck. it's always an aggressive
3: cut. Anyways, on to the book reviews. It's, yeah. it's usually like I kind of have to like Tommy will say something like, anyways, then there was three dicks. Okay, so on to the book reviews. Yes. <laughs>
1: We, we try to find a nice transition, but it never works because
2: Vonnie's books are just not—they don't lend themselves. They don't have anything to do with whipped cream or dicks. No, at least not the those ones are generally that I my books. Not the ones that I review on the podcast, anyways.
1: Nah,
2: <laughs> don't look at my history.
1: <laughs> hey, what you read in the in the privacy of your home is your business.
2: Well, that's good because I wasn't going to stop. <laughs> you. You don't own me. No, I do. Dang not. it! No, no, no. Get
1: after it then.
2: Okay. So, <laughs> Bonnie's review bottom <Ba-dum-bum>. punch <laughs> again. Segue. Nothing to do with whipped cream whatsoever. I read Half Life by Jillian Cantor. It's a story about Marie Curie who, if anyone doesn't know, she's the woman who discovered radium and the first woman to win the Nobel Prize, first woman to be nominated for a Nobel Prize. She actually won two Nobel Prizes. Just little little facts there. Oh, a little scientific facts. Yeah, okay. she's pretty cool, mm-hmm. pretty awesome. But what this is, is this goes back in her life and takes a twist on what would have happened if she would have made one different decision Before she went to Paris to go to school. Can you tell us what the decision was? Yeah. So in 1891, she was actually engaged to a mathematician. And I am not going to even attempt to say this name. And um, some dude. She right, she because a- I mean she lived in Poland in 1891 a lot of these names I can't pronounce his mother did not approve because she thought that Marie Curie was too poor so he I broke off that. the engagement because his mom didn't approve of her and what because was? she broke off the engagement Marie Curie went to Paris to go to university because at the time it was against the law to educate women in Poland Ah. Uh. And Walkers. that's where she met Perry Curie and married him and became part of the team that discovered radium. So this is her life. And it goes back and forth between if, when she was married and her actual life and what would have happened in the writer's mind, obviously. What would have happened if she married this mathematician instead?
1: Wow, I often think about stuff like that. Like, what would have happened if I had taken that job on the pirate radio ship? Right, it's like,
2: it's it's the butterfly effect. It's just that one decision that you decide differently, how it affects your whole life. And even more than that, I mean, because she was such an important person in history, how it changed history itself. I mean, you know, would she have been the first woman to win the Nobel Prize if she would have married this mathematician instead? Would she have even discovered radium if she married this mathematician instead? Would somebody Mm. else have? I mean, it's just... It was a really good book, and I enjoyed it. I did not know a lot about Madame Curie's life. She was actually a very interesting woman. She had a a lot of sadness in her life. I mean, a lot of people close to her died at young ages. Um, And, of course... Discovering radium and knowing nothing about it, she was giving herself radiation poisoning and didn't know it. Mm. So she was sick a lot and didn't know why. But yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. The writing was excellent. And I don't know, Madame Curie is just fascinating to me just because she was such a strong woman to do what she did in the time that she did because women just didn't do that in the 1890s, early, early 1900s. We're talking like pre-World War I kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. It's just, it was unheard of. And uh, kudos to her, I'm pretty sure his name was Perry Curie, for actually letting her take credit and win the Nobel Prize because he could have easily not put her name on anything. And she just would have been anonymous. I mean, she was just a great, she was a great woman. I think everybody should read up on her and this was a great book i really enjoyed it awesome
0: you've been doing well for strong women books lately you've had a lot of good ones
2: yeah well (laughs) i have i like a strong character i mean it's kind of like what martha said earlier i mean i like a strong independent woman as a character just because it seems like i can connect with that type of Mm -hmm. character before if it's the main character is kind of wimpy and not very you know just passive it, it's harder for me to like the character. I mean I've read a few books like that and there were books that other people really loved and they said that they loved the main character. I'm like, eh and I could go into details but really it's just the details of Madame Curie's life itself, having kids and being married and husband dying and having affairs with married men. Whoop, whoop. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting. Wait, she does, or her, or her husband? She does. does. She does after her husband. Okay. Does. I was yeah. like, that's quite a twist. And it almost ruins her career because Wifey Poo finds out, whoops, and goes to the press so that she can slander her name. do mm. Don't piss off the wife, man. Nope. I'm telling you. And that again was called Half Life by Gillian Cantor.
1: That was a glowing review.
2: Oh my gosh! How long have
1: you been waiting? Since the very beginning, I've been
2: storing it up. Martha, I think that you would actually like this book. I mean, it's not super sad. It's not super romancy. She wasn't She was very. Hmm. She was a very factual person. It was just really interesting. I like them details. Don't make fun of my books, damn it! Don't turn your face over there and make fun of it with Keith. I was. (laughs) I know you were. No, I I saw Keith's face, dude. It was the glowing remark,
1: you know, because of the radium. I was saving it up, man. I was just waiting for that punchline at the end.
2: She actually talks, calls one of her daughters, um, the daughter with the radium eyes. Let's right along. just move right along.
1: Let's have some romance in our life before we get to Mike, because I know okay. he's got something great—a piss sleeve.
3: Brought me back to high school. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get romance before we get to Mike. Yay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That feels really familiar. So <laughs>
1: thanks
2: for uh, a little deja vu there.
3: All the way back to. Oh, more. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh. Great. Sorry
0: to bring up painful memories.
2: Great. That like, no, I pissed uh, off the uh, author. Uh, Make sure you don't want uh, Mike in the uh, middle?
3: <laughs>
0: well, my book was not about a strong woman. You
1: Oprah got a bimbo
0: over some. she's not a bimbo is she
1: she simpering i love that word that's so just. i'll tell you what no she is she's horribly
0: awkward which is why i love her okay all right we'll take so you know me i love the awkward like wallflowery girls and so this book uh my book is called twice shy by sarah hoggle and uh this book starts off with our main character and her name is Maybell. And she hates her name, by the way, so she doesn't, she's never had a dad. That's in the picture. Her mother is a conniving bitch. Basically her mother just kind of um, wants to mooch off of anybody she can and doesn't really want to work very hard. So maybelle's life when she was growing up is basically moving from place to place while her mother just kind of dumps her kid with various people tries to get as much money as she can, finds various boyfriends, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. At one point, when she's about 10, she has a great aunt, and so the mom's aunt, and they go and live with her, and Mabel and her aunt are pretty close, and the aunt really would like to keep Mabel, and the aunt is loaded, by the way, which is why, of course, they've gone to stay with her, but when Aunt violent realizes she kicks them both out and she's very sad to do it. Cause she would keep maybelle, but I mean, Maybell is the mom's food ticket basically. Cause who doesn't like a little kid, but at some point maybelle grows up and, um, she works at this, you know, those like wolf. Oh, that's probably not a thing by you, but like there are these things here and they have water parks inside of hotels.
1: We have one like that, and I think there's one up in Billings too. They're they're scattered around, but there's one c- called Wolf Something. Great Wolf, L- that's Wolf Lodge. What it is. Yes, yes, we Great have
0: Great Wolf, Wolf Lodge, Lodge yeah.
3: here Southern too. Niagara too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So
1: picture All Great over. Wolf
0: Lodge. Okay. And that's where she and her mom land here, like when Mabel's eighteen, and her mom, of course, moves on pretty quick and finds another guy. But Mabel decides to stay because she's never had a place where she's just stayed for a while. But sadly, like, so she's housekeeping. Can you imagine being housekeeping for one of these hotels? Like, so she's all always like cleaning up disgusting crap. She's just kind of there. She has this very rich fantasy life in her mind because her life is so very pathetic and sad. And her friends, like her very best friend in the world is the owners of the lodge's daughter. And This is what she thinks friendship is. Like in the very first part of the book, Maybell is pretty in a very unassuming way. And at this point, when we come into the book, she's about 28 or so. And so the friend doesn't like that Maybell's cute. So the friend is a little annoyed and scared that maybe she'll take up with some of the hot guys. So she catfishes her. Oh. So she finds this picture of this guy and then and she writes to her forever like oh, for a year i
1: hate that
0: god yes. that's mean so Ugh. if maybelle wasn't awkward enough she thought she found this true love in this guy oh, that's who doesn't so exist
1: awful
0: and the best friend just kind of at one point says hey like when they start saying hey you want to meet she says oh you know what it's me sorry i did that because i didn't want you to like get with any of the cute guys here but you understand right it's cool like this is her best friend
1: well, and she does all sorts friends. of garbage Some like best that friend that's bullshit.
0: so this is like maybelle's that. life her <laughs> life kind of sucks and she doesn't even know it because she don't know any better
3: does she get free water slides though do they have a touch on that <laughs> <laughs> you know they what include-
0: i don't think she even gets that because they treat her horribly at this job
3: because like, i was with you like if she got free water slides, her wife can't be, right? can be all that bad. But, yeah. yeah. But if it sounds like they didn't go down that.
1: Yeah. But if you think no. about all the little kids that pee in that pool, I don't know if you really want. Well,
0: them. and that's the thing, right. because they talk They're about like,
1: ugh, because ugh. she gets,
0: she gets promoted. She's, she starts at housekeeping, but she gets promoted to like um, program director, but they don't let her direct any programs. So anytime a kid pukes in um, like on a table or pukes in a drain, Uh, she gets uh. to go clean it up, even though that's not her job anymore. So, I mean, this is all ways that her life sucks, Mm. but Aunt Violet dies. And remember, Aunt Violet had lots of money.
1: That's right. And Aunt Violet
0: didn't like anybody but her. So mom calls one day and is like, your Aunt Violet's dead and she's like oh no and her mom's like did you get anything <laughs> that's basically the relationship but so yeah maybelle inherits no money but she inherits the estate ah. and it's this huge house with acres and acres of land the house used to be a hotel like that's how huge this house is it has an elevator which to me is like obviously fancy when you
1: have an elevator in your house. (laughs) That's all I aspire to in life. I I want a secret room. If there's a secret room. Ooh, there are secret rooms all over the place.
2: Now put those Mm. together, make it a secret room with an elevator to another secret room.
1: (gasps) Damn, Mm. that's ultimate.
2: See, all all these things. Mm
0: -hmm. So this woman comes and says, you've inherited the estate. You have to come to the house to like take um, possession or whatever. And Mabel's like, okay. So she, she's kind of unassuming. She didn't even tell anybody. Like she has these grand dreams about like storming in and being like, you're a garbage person and you're a horrible boss and I hate you and fuck off and go, and I take this job and shove it. No, she just leaves. She shouldn't even tell anyone <laughs> she's going. She just leaves. People are like texting like, where are you? You're late for your job, but she just ignores everybody. Cause that's how she is. So she goes to the house and when she gets to the house, there's this grumpy ass guy there. That's like a little, a few years older than her. He's inherited the house too what he's the groundskeeper and he has been taking care of aunt violet for like the last five years while she's been in poor health and he's like what the hell bitch like this is my house and she's like um but i have it and, just, and the person who's in charge of the state just
2: kind of goes okay yeah you both have it see you bye <laughs> figure it out splitsies and on t- <laughs> yeah I mean, I think if there was a movie and a baby that was there.
3: And her are fighting. At any point does she like turn to the camera and say, Mabel, it's Mabel, mine. (laughs) Does that come up in the book? Uh, sorry, no, I don't want to give a-
1: boy, that was a okay. missed opportunity. <laughs> Maybell
0: is not with Maybelline ever. Okay, it's <laughs> very. She could have been the perfect spokesmodel, except I yeah, kind no, of get the impression that she's like not a makeup kind of gal. Because she's right. like, she's very yeah. boring and awkward, and <laughs>
1: that's a good one, like <laughs>
0: oh this groundskeeper's name is wesley so i don't have to keep calling him here's how stupid i am the whole time i'm like groundskeeper wesley like groundskeeper willie oh in um, the simpsons <laughs> yeah so i couldn't get it out of my head because i'm lame that way so they both inherit this house and maybelle doesn't have anything to her name so um he at least has a, a groundskeeper cottage the house is a hoarder's house oh. so imagine the hugest house ever and it's of of garbage and oh. it's so full of garbage that everything is falling apart so she wants to make the house into a hotel and he wants to make it into an animal sanctuary where you know how people like say hey your dog went up to a farm
1: he wants to be the farm
0: <laughs>
1: so that sounds like, like my worst fucking nightmare right there
0: dude so they're both like insanely awkward and one wants to do a hotel and one wants to do an animal sanctuary. Well, and let me guess, together. let me
1: guess, let me guess. They fall in love.
0: Eh, eventually,
1: mm.
0: everything there from there on in is trying to fix this house and trying to get along because they're both freaks, but it's a romance, which means eventually they will like each other. But it's very sweet and cute because oh. they're just it's called twice shy because they're both so shy that they're jerks. Oh. that maybe they were you know, just know White how that is fans. like
2: <laughs> once you come across as an
0: asshole oh. because you don't talk <laughs> yeah there's layers and stuff i'm just and teasing. there's hoarding which is funny because they have to dig through the hoard and the shit that she's collected is hysterical <laughs> but i'm the kind of person that likes watching that shit on tv because i'm like oh look at that train wreck oh look how many cases of like diet pepsi can you have like the cans
1: without pepsi in them have you never watched hoarders i grew up with a hoarder thank you very much that is not entertaining oh. to me Oh, okay most hoarders yeah. i
0: mean
2: it's not just <laughs> stuff usually it's like dirty oh, trash this and- woman
0: doesn't have gross stuff she just has a lot of stuff oh okay but so that book was called twice shy by sarah hoggle and it has hoarding
2: <laughs> thanks water keith parks, sort of. <laughs>
0: And water parks at the very beginning
2: is that the ultimate horror ride. All I could think of when you guys were talking about the slide and the pee in the pool is like, could you imagine? Like, you know, you're not screaming because you're going down the water slide. You're screaming because you're going towards the pee, or you're screaming because your
1: back is warm. Yeah,
2: that's right.
1: Because you know, Dude, coming down. You. I can't. Ugh, I yeah, not like, like I can't rules. do
0: that stuff. Like ball pits, oh. like water slides. Just no. Bleh, bleh, bleh. No, 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 no,
1: no, That's my horror. Speaking of horror, how do you like that for a transition? Mm. I believe Mike chose a horror novel. Actually, it's one I read too, so I, I have a leg up.
3: So I've, okay, so yeah, and in fairness, I've never done a book review before, so um, bear with me. But yeah, so the book I picked was one of my favorite books of all time, and I think a writer where I would love to sound like him. But the book is called The Library at Mount Char. It's by a guy named Scott Hawkins. And I have to admit, so there's a couple books in my life, not to oversell this, but like there's a few books in my life I've read, where when I get to the last page, I'm like, i'm just gonna go through it one more time and i just read the book two or three times in a row and this was one of them where when i got to the end i'm like like and i now read this book once a year sort of thing Uh, anyways i really like the book in brief this book is about a group of individuals who are called librarians they were taken when they were very young by an enigmatic man just called father and the book opens with carolyn the main character and her brothers and sisters even though they're not blood related And father has disappeared and he has left the library and nobody knows where they are. And the book basically follows Carolyn uh, through this sort of very weird chain of events, trying to figure out what happened to father and trying to figure out Carolyn's plan to basically do all the things that Carolyn needs to do. I don't want to give away the ending and stuff, but the book, I think, I mean, I loved it only because uh, a lot of reasons, like it's got an insane sense of humor in it. And the book is kind of at, like, its core thematically, like, what if you were God? Like, that is kind of the concept of the book. And where it goes at the very end is wild um, after Carolyn does all of her stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's a book where if I explain it, I start giving away a ton of stuff. But it is this wonderful cross of, like, very dry humor coupled with scenes of, brutally horrific violence but like presented at such an arm's length like there's this one scene with a barbecue that is kind of like the set piece scene of the book yes and it's funny the way he writes it he writes it from this weird arm's length narrative distance where like you can get through the scene and it's only after the scenes after you're like wait a second that was horrific and he kind of did it tongue-in-cheek like weird Um, And the whole book is kind of like that, where it's just these things where, like, as you're reading the events, it's, like, awful, but he keeps you a little uh, distant from it so you can still have this, like, weird sort of funny perspective. Definitely one of my favorite books, and it's worthwhile to check out if you like um, sort of, like, modern horror comedy slash sci-fi. Like, I'm not even sure what you would characterize the book as. But yeah it's good stuff
1: i think that's right there the reason that i never reviewed that book because it, it's so hard to describe what it's about
3: and it's funny too because like if if you've read the book it almost like there's two books like there's the book to figure out what happens to father which takes you 60 percent of the novel mm-hmm. and then there's the last 40 percent, which is almost like okay just basically a second book like it's all the same book but it's two Sort of like very distinct chunks of novel within it. Um, yeah. And the second you start talking about what's going on, you start spoiling it. But I just loved Carolyn as a character. I loved the whole world building he set up. I love this concept of like just how he described how realistically a human being would sort of become a weird fucked up god. And like it's just kind of cool the way he takes you through it. And uh uh, just a great, funny character and a great book. But yeah, it's sort of hard to describe in retrospect.
1: Yes, it really is. I, the whole time I was thinking, I, I got to pay attention to how he describes this because it's people say, what is it about? Well, it was just a really cool book. You have to read it for yourself is usually the way I have to describe it because I have heard I you say like, that many times. I have, <laughs> I have.
3: The book would be like, what if you became God? Like that is essentially the core of the book is mm-hmm. like, Father is a stand-in for God, more or less. Mm-hmm. Like the book makes no qualms about that. And Carolyn is sort of figuring out how to move into his place now that he's gone. Mm-hmm. So you can see the sort of progression and how she loses her humanity, which she had very little of to start with, and just it gets further and further and further away from her. Um. Anyways, yeah. No, I just uh, I just loved it.
1: Okay, give us the title and artist of the book one more time.
3: The book is called The Library at Mount Char, and uh, the author is called Scott Hawkins.
1: Excellent review. Awesome. All right. Oh. Now, the big moment. What book are you doing, Martha? <gasps> <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm doing one of my very favorite books right now. At the moment? At the moment, because, you know, I, I have so many favorites that it's like...
2: She's kind of a book floozy. She is goes-
1: from book to book, <laughs> I do, but I tend to be very attached to um, to newer artists because it's the beginning of their journey, and I love the fact that I can collect a piece of their beginning. So all of the books on my shelf are a very great percentage of the books on my shelf are authors who are just starting out. Anyway, this is called "The Hotel at the End of Time" by Michael James. And it is it was one of those books that I laughed out loud so many times that I instantly knew that this was going to be a favorite and that I would be recommending it to everybody who came in contact with me that even a little bit likes this kind of thing. I think if if I had to describe like if. Like if you did yeah, a, a please
3: do because I'm taking notes on how to get the to summary of this book as well, man. <laughs> I've never been able to nail that. So like if you have a log line, I would love that for agent. I'm just kind and stuff, of, of thinking
1: work. like she reminds me of the snarkiest, most obnoxious superhero by mistake kind of character, where she didn't really sign up for any of it, but yet she is damn sure going to make sure that she takes care of business. The book, the book begins on a fun note for me anyway, because it tells so much about what the character is like on the first two pages. She starts off and Vane is the main character. She is with Duncan, is it Duncan? Roman. 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 God, why can I never remember his name? Anyway, she's with Roman and they are talking about how to rob an ATM. And she has in her mind that she needs a disguise. So she is going to, so she's wearing a cowboy hat and she's trying to change her voice. (laughs) It just cracks me up because she's got this cowboy, cowboy persona going on and she's talking to Roman. She's like, Hey there, little lady. You know, she's talking to the guy calling him little lady because she has this idea of in her she mind. It <laughs> just cracks me up every time I think about it. What you soon start to realize is that they have sort of symbiotic relationship between them. She is the power, but he is the battery. So, she can't really use the superpower of hers without her battery. So she draws energy from him and you also quickly realize that she doesn't remember anything about who she was before she escaped from this place called the hotel. And that's why they're on the run. That's because they both been kept captive in the hotel. They're on the run, which is why they're robbing the ATM. But the other thing you realize is that she has taken something with her from the hotel And that's the reason that she's being pursued is, well, I'm sure they probably would have pursued her anyway, because that's the kind of people they are, but she's got this padlock and the people at the hotel want it back really badly. So you have a pretty good idea that it is something pretty impressive. So they're being pursued, but then again, we come in with the funniness and this is where we explain what a Wyatt is. A Wyatt is kind of like Vane's trying to explain what they are. She calls them instead of clones, she calls them instances. Is that yeah, it's right? The
3: same, it's the same, very, it's a multiple instance of the same guy. So, like, it's just the same guy, but he's not cloned. It's just they keep going back to the same spot and grabbing them over and over and over and over and over, and over again until they have thousands of them already.
1: In my mind, a why he's got a thick neck. He's not very bright, and I love the description of the cauliflower ears because that because insta-
3: yeah.
1: it instantly reminds me of somebody that I once knew with the weird ears. And so I think that's one of the other reasons that I was so impressed with your writing style is that there's no generic of anything in your world. You do a good yeah. job of bringing complete uniqueness in instead of just grabbing an old trope and throwing it in there. So the Wyatts, the Wyatts are basically the goons that show up to chase them after, I think they never, I don't think they get around to actually robbing the ATM. I think. They don't? No. And this is actually a pretty short scene. It's only a few pages long where, where they go through that. And then. She's scuffling with the Wyatts and throws one of them off the roof. But before he goes off the edge, he grabs her. So then we, we kind of think that she's dead. Kind of. No, not really. She wakes Mm -hmm. up. Roman Roman really thinks she's dead. Roman thinks she's dead. So they grab Roman and he goes the other direction with the Wyatts. But she actually wakes up. Now this starts out in Denver. So it's mentioned several times that it's in Denver. And then when she wakes up, she's in Boston. So, wow. And then it sort of skips over. And then we meet our second character, which is Emma. And another one of my very favorite scenes is with Emma and the speed dating, which is the most fantastic scene I think I've ever read. And it's just perfect if you've ever been on a really bad date it's like the best description ever of it where she meets this guy I want to name everybody everybody I don't like smooth dick smooth dick (laughs) not like smooth not smooth oh no wait now I gotta read this just let me read it this is fucking hilarious so he says oh you're I have a thing for redheads. And she says, strike one in her mind. And then he says, anyway, my friends call me smooth dick. And she says, I'm sorry, smooth what? Smooth. Not smooth. It's like groove, but even smoother than that. So smooth. So then he goes on and he's like, smooth dick is my rap handle. I'm a rapper. She goes, okay. So you're like a DJ or something? No. DJ spin tracks. I spit rhymes. So then she goes down a little bit further and she's trying to figure out. So she says, and his name is Stan. So she says, so should I call you Stan or smooth? I, I, I'm sorry. You said, you said Dick Seem he seemed proud. And she says, is your middle name Richard? Nah, it's Jonathan. Funniness just improves. And I really did laugh right out loud when I read that the first time. Actually, I laughed the second time I read it too, because I I got an e copy of the book. That also is a huge deal for me. Um, if you knew anything about my reading style, I've listened to audiobooks oh, yeah. almost ninety percent of the time. The only way I will read a book is through audio. But since that recommendation was so strong, I thought, oh god damn it, I'm just gonna have to. I'm going to have to read it. So So
3: I will say on that point, I am working on the audio book as we speak. And I hope to have an audio version out, um, in about a month or so. Part of it is training myself to do audio work. So I've been, uh, you have a great voice. Uh, Your
1: voice sounds a little bit like the guy who does the voice for Archer. So I think you're gonna, you've got it.
3: Oh, wow. Right on. You've got, you've got an
1: Archer voice.
3: But yeah, no, I, uh, I hope to have audiobooks of these out very soon, and I hope to be able to do the audiobook much closer for book two as well, because I know a lot of people also do like the audiobooks. Just, yeah, that's, um, uh, that's my like,
1: usual way to consume. So that tells you how much I loved it. Not only did hmm. I buy that, because I read the sample first, that first three pages, and I'm like, okay, I'm in. Hmm. So I bought the book, and then I immediately, after I got about halfway through, went back on Amazon and bought a hard copy. Fantastic. Wow, thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. So anyway, it's sort of the adventures of Vane and Emma from that point forward. I mean, you still get Roman, too. Uh, probably the second funniest scene to me. Actually, uh, it, that's a toss-up, because that was a good
0: fucking scene, too. The one with the... With the weird animal from yes, Australia? Yes, yes,
2: thank
1: yes,
3: you. Uh, yes. Have a
1: call. Oh <laughs> my I my died. Oh, so they're they're trying to torture him and the guy makes up this thing and the dude who's torturing... I think Trick does the quoll. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. Trick's like the, he's one of the bad guys. So he, he pulls this animal out and he says, do you know what this is? This is an Australian spotted tail quoll. Like between a cat and a rat. Between a cat and a <laughs> yeah, rat. it's
3: like a cataract almost, yeah.
1: And he basically tells Roman that this creature Eats exclusively walnuts, but they've trained it to eat men's balls to attack their balls yeah. because they look like walnuts. It
3: is insane to hear your own plot <laughs> decided back at you because now, as you're saying that, I'm like, that's fucking lunacy. Like, how I did I love even- it? Like, it's just, yeah, so there is, for the people listening, there is a scene where a man is tricked into thinking his testicles are going to be consumed by an Australian rodent as a mechanism <laughs> of torture, and that is a fucking weird sentence. <laughs> but in context of the book, it actually kind of kind of makes it sense. Does.
1: It does. It, yes, it does. Because uh, if you think, if you're torturing, actually it reminded me of a scene that I had seen in a movie one time where it was actually a torture scene. And they actually put over the guy's head this, like, cage with rats or something in it where they ate his face. I don't remember what it was, but I I remember remember sort of recognizing that scene and going, oh, my God, it's going to get him. And then, of course, the guy's like, ha ha, (laughs) gotcha.
3: I mean, the funny thing about writing Trick and hopefully not spoilery was, like, Trick who is the main bad guy in the book, basically. He was chasing them. He is just having a really fun time. He thinks this is a ball. Um, He doesn't, like, just that's his whole character. Like, this is really fun. Why wouldn't I make up a scenario where this fake rodent can fake eat Roman's testicles? Like, that's hilarious to him because he just <laughs> oh my- thinks this whole thing is really, really fun.
1: It's hilarious to me. <laughs>
0: Well, I think one of my favorite things about Vane, Vane is kind of, she's really out there. Like we're talking about her, but like the things she says sometimes don't make a lot of sense. She thinks in her head and you're like, what are you doing? But everything turns out okay. And she actually has a lot more insight than her friends because she seems to be the only one that gets that Trick's name is Trick because he's always tricking yes, them. Yes. And no one else ever gets it. Like, she has this weird grasp on common sense that her friends don't have. But she's so weird all the time that they don't pay it's, attention to her.
3: It's this weird, yeah, there's a super weird line writing her where, like, Her plans never go quite the way she expects them to. Like, that's the thing. Like, her, even though she always has an idea and even though she always has a plan and even though she's always going to do it, it can never quite work out. But at the same time, it can't be a total disaster and train wreck. Like, so you're walking that line of, like, how do you make Vane sort of, like, She's kind of doing the right thing, but it's always sort of a weird disaster. It's funny you mentioned the random jokes, like there's one line in there, um, not that I'm supposed to like my own jokes, but like for me, my favorite (laughs) joke in the book is her and Emma at the motel, they're checking into the motel and the clerk is like kind of being a dick. And Vane says, you remind me of Andy Griffith. And he's like, why, because I'm so funny? She's like, no, because you're an asshole. And that's it. That's the whole punchline. And I still, that line still makes me laugh just because, (laughs) you know, Vane, Vane genuinely does not like Andy Griffith. So (laughs) the point of that joke is just getting that for this character, like there's no further, in her mind, she doesn't like Andy Griffith. The fact that he is like this beloved icon of like friendly happiness would never register to her. Just mm. Andy Griffith is a dick. So that's <laughs> the reference she pulls out. <laughs> so I mean, anyways, that. Is They're for just sure sitting there waiting
0: for more. They're like, okay, yeah. okay, wait, what? Where's the, and she's like, no, that's all.
3: Mm, no. That's it. Andy Griffith is a dick. Yeah. So that kind of tells you everything you need to know about the character. And for sure I have uh that's sort of where you either get that, she is going to tell the joke and like do the thing that she's going to do, and you're either on board or you're not, and she kind of doesn't care one way or the other because she's vain. That's the whole character. She always thinks she's
1: right. So the whole book is really, in a nutshell, it's it's about somebody who has extraordinary powers. So sort of super superheroish, but it's got kind of a little magic tinge to it, maybe a little sci-fi twinge. And this, the hotel, which is where they escaped from, they were taken prisoner to go there and then their memories were wiped. So there's a lot of uncertainty. She has no idea what her life was like before, which is why I'm really intrigued to go to the second book, because maybe we're going to find out something about what her life was like before, or I don't know. I just was totally intrigued the whole thing was it strange well yes it was which is yeah, why i loved it because that is my jam so do i recommend it yes i do
0: yeah if you if you were a person like if you liked the really strange dry wry humor and strangeness of like a douglas adams which i love like this book is the wheelhouse and I in mean, retrospect
2: it, i should have had you read it too I like Douglas Adams, if it was anything oh, yeah, like you
1: would You would like, like that. It. It, it's just hysterical. You know, sometimes <laughs> my problem is, is when I read things like this, I think, oh, it's weird. Nobody else is going to like it. But then after I sit with it for a while, which is why I didn't mention it until the last minute, I'm like, you don't have to love sci-fi to love a book like this. I mean, this could be a movie right now. And it would be a blockbuster hit.
2: Well, see where I am with sci-fi, because I am not a sci-fi reader. No. At all. No. And different worlds just mess with my brain. But if it's out there enough and doesn't take itself too seriously, kind of like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, I can get on board with that. I loved that book. I've read it like three times. Yeah. In retrospect. So
3: many times. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So in retrospect, I should have had you read it too. And
1: I apologize because. And here's the other thing for people that like are afraid of fantasy
0: or sci-fi, because a lot of those books take all this time, like telling you about the world and this, that doesn't happen. It's no, It's okay that you don't know, like exactly what the hotel is, or why it's there, or, or why, why these her guys want to power it.
1: Yeah, right. yeah.
0: Like, there's a lot of stuff you don't know, but I mean, you know what their goal, the character's
1: goal is, and you know what they're try- trying to do. At like about what used to happen. It's not a long book, so making a commitment to a huge fantasy novel is not a problem with this particular book because it's small, but mighty. It packs a huge punch for a story that is bound to be super complicated eventually, but you're so in love with the characters and having so much fun. You really don't care. And that's why I love the book because it made my heart happy and I had a blast. It made me smile. Plus it had a great storyline too. So good on you, Mike.
3: That's lovely to hear. And like, it's always nice to hear this sort of stuff and it's always encouraging because writing is such a long sort of like solo task where you throw a couple hundred hours at something um anyways it's really nice to hear thank you
2: you're welcome can I just say that I'm kind of hungry for whipped cream and walnuts now <laughs> smooth dick
1: I, 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 I mean need, I need that on a
2: t-shirt a smooth dick is better than a veiny dick <laughs> And the funny thing about that is, is
1: they didn't hear it. So be surprised when the podcast <laughs> comes out, because we had internet issues, or or a dick with stubble.
2: Oh my God, Bonnie! Get beard burned just <laughs> not from the face. <laughs> <laughs> That makes sense, but, like, holy crap, I
1: don't know a lot about that. Oh, boy, did you guys miss some good good stuff, boy. You're a (laughs) god. Well, (laughs) well,
0: I found out stuff about the second book, and I'm not even going to tell you now.
2: We're just being dirty. Dirty old women. Because we are. Because that's who we are. (laughs) This is the kind of things that my mind goes to when you talk about smooth dick. I'm getting a shirt that says smooth
1: dick on it. They're
2: frozen again? They don't know. They that don't is
3: know. a fantastic merchandising idea. I will tell you.
2: So what you I do? will tell you
3: a very like only because exclusive for this podcast. Um, I will tell you that Smooth Dick does have an incredibly small scene in Book Two. Yay!
2: Yes, <laughs> smooth
3: Dick. He shows back up. You could so do that, Smooth uh,
2: Dick, with a picture. It was such a popular have a Prince album
3: character. I had to find a way to bring him back.
2: That has that's nice. a padlock.
1: I, I'm getting the yes. I I I need the padlock. That's my merchandising for you. I'm going. Martha's to, making all your merch. I've got it all figured out for you.
3: Sp- so because I was gonna do, I was gonna do postcards. Yeah, smooth dick <laughs> towel maybe.
1: A smooth dick
2: towel?
3: Like, you know, the towel that has yeah. Like a, yeah, this towel that has a dick on it, but it's like smooth dick, and then yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes
2: stuff. you need but something padlock, to wipe it off yeah, with.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: just and make saying. it
2: smooth we're, we're talking about smooth dick not yep. sticky dick no no not
1: sticky it's
2: sometimes, be... sometimes that whipped cream gets a little sticky put the cherry on top of there too i mean sometimes but this The stem is a problem.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sheesh. a little gag on the stem.
2: (laughs) And on that note, that's going to do it for three 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 book Book girls. Girls. Yay. (laughs) Woo. And it didn't freeze. (laughs) Can't
0: get enough of three book girls. Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group